Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Uh, Wayne and Susan, Powis, are you here? I saw you earlier. Backsliders in the back row there. Is it your wedding anniversary today? Last Friday. 50 years. Wow, what an achievement. And for some of us, what a goal. Married when we were six. Plus a little bit of GST there, Wayne. Well, happy anniversary. Folk, uh, we've been advertising this uh, Coburn prayer. Uh, our church is part of that. So uh, I've got little packs of 10 of these cards. If you know anybody, uh, encourage them to attend. And so there's, there's heaps of them. So grab some as you exit, little packs of 10. If you want to give to anybody, it'll be really good to pack the place out uh, on that morning. You can attend uh, one of the sessions or uh, the whole day, and, and there'll be a little map. But essentially, uh, you come, you pray for 45 minutes, and then uh, some churches are a couple of kilometers away, others a bit further, but it won't take you more than uh, between... 5 and 15 minutes to get to the next church. Uh, so please feel free to, to come and participate in that. Faith that works. Uh, we're going through uh, a series on the, the book of James, and each week we're trying to emphasize a different area. And it's really hard to avoid some passages uh, when you're dealing with uh, the whole book and this morning, it's, it's about faith in action. And there has been debate about faith and, and works over the years. Uh, some churches push, push uh, faith alone. Others say, well, you, you need to carry it out and put it into action. Uh, that little uh, white sign there that says approved has got to do with, with when God comes into our lives, it's like a potter who makes a pot, and when, uh, when he has baked it, puts it up in the sun and sees if there are any cracks or flaws. And if there are, the sun will shine through that, and then it's not approved. But if he holds it up or she holds it up and they can see no flaws, no cracks as they turn it and inspect it carefully, then uh, that uh, pot uh, contains whatever uh, is in it and will be good. And so uh, we want to live lives that are pleasing to God. So one day we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, because God has uh, worked in our lives. And one of the ways he works is that we put faith into practice, faith into practice. And so the passage this morning is James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. I read it in the New International Version, uh, and that's why I'll be doing some exegesis, and then I'll read it in 
the message as well. It comes out really nice. So first in the New International Version, James 2.14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that this faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. The message puts it this way. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this life if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith then I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together, hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are works of faith? The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. It's that mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? The same with Rahab, 
a Jericho harlot? Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing what counted with God? The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing. A corpse. And so there is this constant debate. Is it faith or is it works? Well, there's a story uh, in the Reader's Digest a few years ago of a lady by the name of Clara Hale. Her nickname was Mama Hale. And she uh, had a whole lot of kids that she'd uh, fostered and adopted. And then they did an article on her. And uh, she had uh, raised 40 foster children. Legally raised 40 foster children. She had three of her own children as well. But she'd also cared for 487 babies of addicts. And what she would do is bring these little kids in, kids that had been abandoned by mothers that were uh, addicted to drugs, mothers that were neglected, and she would bring them in. She'd sit, them on, uh, sit with them on this rocker, and she'd say, I love you, and God loves you. She'd constantly be whispering in their ears, your mother loves you too, but she's sick right now like you are. And so she would slowly mother them. And after a while, she says, maybe they'd give me a bit of a smile. And so you see that that baby is trying as well. And you keep loving it. And then you wait. Mama Hale died in 1992 at the age of 87. But even until the age of 79, she was bringing these babies in and she was caring for them. And folk, that I suggest to you is faith in action. Now, you say to me, well, I can't do that. And I understand that. And I can easily stand here this morning and make you feel guilty. And I'll quickly do that if you like. I can say, you know what, you're not serving enough. And you know what? You're not giving enough. Well, that knocks us all out. Because can we ever serve enough? And can we ever give enough? Never. But whatever God has gifted you and I in, it's called a grace. We are to put into practice. That great theologian, Dr. Hans Kung, said it this way. He said, whoever preaches one half of the gospel is no less a heretic than the person who preaches the other half of the gospel. And so the temptation of every preacher, uh, whenever they, they begin to share, there's always that temptation of making people feel guilty that they are not doing enough and not giving enough. You see, the lights went out. But we, we can never do enough and never give enough but whatever God has given you and me, we are to put into practice. The danger is that we do nothing because the task seems so big and we just throw the towel in. And some churches will emphasize it is important to go and serve and serve and serve despite who we are. And other churches will say, listen, make sure your doctrine is right. 
Make sure your doctrine is right. Because, uh, you know, if you don't have the right doctrine, it's hard to serve. And so make sure that your doctrine is right according to the Scriptures, according to the Bible, and only then can you go out and serve effectively. Well, friends, there's that constant debate between uh, some people who say what Paul said, that we are saved by grace through faith, and James basically saying works. But I... I think that they actually complement each other like a hand in a glove. Because, you see, once you have faith, it leads to works. And your works are evident of your faith. Make sense? In fact, Paul and James don't contradict each other, but they complement each other. So when you have faith, it leads to action. I'm not talking about, you know what, I joined a church and I'm, you know, I'm on the roll. No, I'm talking about genuine faith, to be in Christ. Because your faith leads to action. Romans 1.5 says that. My lecturer when I was at college said, your faith in Christ leads inexorably. I didn't know what that meant. Inexorably. To the obedience of faith among all nations. And I thought, what is this inexorably? But I had this picture in my mind after looking up what the word inexorably means. It pushes you out. It's like this picture of, of me asking my son to open the tap and I've got my hand at the end of the hose. I can only keep the pressure on for a short while. Then afterwards, that pressure pushes me out. In fact, your faith in Christ pushes you out to the obedience of faith among all nations. And if you don't have action, then do you have that faith, is what James is asking. And so Paul says, by grace through faith, James says, the evidence is in your faith. Verse 14 to 17 of James chapter 2, there's you know, this beautiful picture here of, of this corpse you know, if you don't have faith and works, then you're actually uh, dead. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say, that Greek word say, lego, 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 if you maintain, in fact, you insist, you advise, you call, you mention. So what do you mention? That Jesus is Lord, but you have no works. Can that save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, God bless you. You know, we speak this Christianese. Be praying for you. All good. Hope you're going to be okay. And they're starving. And they need something. What does James say? You do not supply their bodily needs. What is that of any good? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. That word dead, uh, necros, means it's it's not kind of half alive, it's properly dead. Like it's a corpse. You're properly dead and you are lifeless and another word for it is you are departed. So what is James actually saying to us here? That we must be doers of the word and not hearers only. In fact, there was that debate uh, about 500 years ago with Martin Luther where uh, he pushed, you know, this whole idea of uh, grace and faith only. And, and the church began to focus only on the one and neglect the other. And so uh, there was this constant debate. And you find a lot of 
and I'll say this with absolute respect, a lot of senior people in the last bit of their lives, they say, I need to do good works because you know what, my, my life has not been the best and so I need to make sure that I tick all those boxes so I can make it in. How sad is that? How sad is that? Well, friends, there is nothing we can ever do that will uh, show God that, you know, we, we cut it, we make it. No, it's by God's grace. There is a beautiful uh, picture around this passage of, of faith and, and works. Um, uh, faith essentially, is, or faith only that some people will say, is, is like the foundation. When you build a house, you lay the foundation. But there are no bricks or no walls. So you can't actually live in it. But you've got a good foundation. That's faith, man. Your doctrine is right. That's beautiful. Works, on the other hand, is like, you know, you've got this amazing set of walls and you can live in it, but there's no foundation. It's like building on sand. Eventually, it's going to break down. But the ideal is that we have the foundation, faith, and the walls works. And you cannot separate the two. You cannot separate the two. I remember when I was a student, there was this whole push uh, in Africa that, you know, let's go in and feed the poor. And we'd go in and feed the poor, but not present the gospel to them. And then some said, no, that's not good. That's spoiling people. So let's go in and preach the gospel. And while we're preaching the gospel, people are dying of starvation. So how do we put the two together? Because the one says, faith alone, make sure your infralapsarianism and your supralapsarianism, I don't know what they mean, but they really sound good because they long the theological words to impress. Meantime, we're allowing people to go to a lost eternity and we're not actually meeting their needs and showing the love of Christ to them. I remember being at Bible college, and it was an interdenominational one, and so there were people from different denominations, and we, we would debate. We wouldn't argue because Christians don't argue, you see, but so we would debate, and we would misinterpret scriptures, and we would begin to become almost heretical, if you like, because there was no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll never forget, I was first year and there was a third year that walked past and he listened to us and he shook his head and he said, devour one another. And that's exactly what we were doing. I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, but show love, forget about love, make sure that your doctrine is right. That is wrong. That is wrong. And so this whole uh, idea of make sure that the one is right at the expense of the other is not the best. And that's exactly what James is talking about, that we are to become doers of the word and not just hearers. Because there are thousands that are, are, are uh, drowning out there, stumbling in, the, in, in pornography and in, uh, in abuse relationships. And while, you know, while we are having these highly intellectual conversations, Another conference, whether you should believe in this or in that. Enough already. Enough already, James would say to us. How about putting faith into action? You see, 
When, when Spurgeon told the story, he said, suppose there is a, a, a fire on the third floor of a house and a child is trapped in a room there. A huge strong man stands on the ground beneath the window where the child's face appears and he calls, jump, drop into my arms. It is one type of faith, Spurgeon would say, to know that the man is there. It's another type of faith which acknowledges that he is a strong man. But the essence of true faith lies in trusting him fully and dropping in his arms. Only in that way could the child be saved. And so it is with a sinner and Christ that faith demands some sort of action on our part. Because if it's only intellectual, then we will be caught up in our own trap. And that's exactly the passage in James, that our good works can never save us. It's faith in Christ that leads us inexorably to the obedience of faith among all nations. And, and why would we say that? Well, because we belong to Christ. And it's quite clear, you know, in this beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 34 to 36, where uh, there's that final judgment, if you like, and Jesus is giving this parable uh, of the end. And he says, come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom. That word inherit uh, is a very legal term. It, it, it means to, to be an heir. It means to, if your name is in the world, you inherit. Uh, it means to obtain. It means to be a partaker. Why? Why are you a partaker? Because that's who we are. We are heirs of the Father and co-heirs with the Son. And so our name is in the will. Or it's not. Or it's not. And if it's in the will then it leads to some sort of action because that is evidence of your name being in the will. And so uh, we read here Jesus speaking, saying, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. And the surprise there to the disciples is that when did that happen? Jesus, when were you in prison and we came to see you? When were you sick and we came to, to uh, pray for you? When were you hungry and we fed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to, to drink? And Jesus responds and says to them, as you did it one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You did it to me. Now, I know it's church and I know it's Sunday morning, but the word did it is a word which means you made it happen. You caused it to happen. Uh, you, it was prepared. And folk, they, excuse the illustration, but there is this picture of a pimple that's pussy and it's yellow. And when you squeeze it, it pops. You caused it to, to happen. Get the point? You want me to illustrate some more? <laughs> Listen. When you're part of the kingdom of God, it's as if when you put it into action, it's as if it happens. Because that's who you are. It pushes you out. It pushes you out. And so, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing too 
uh, deep here on making sure that you believe the right things. Make sure that you believe in Jesus Christ. Whether you are superlapsarianist or infralapsarianist is irrelevant. What matters is who Jesus Christ is because that leads to action. And that's what you make happen. And that's exactly what James is speaking about here. You see, at the final judgment, you're not going to need to fill out an application form. List the 10 important things you did or else you will not be able to enter the kingdom of God. That's not it. You're either in or you're not. Why? Because of who Jesus Christ is. And so it's important to try and understand that. Let me give you some statistics, some real statistics. And th- these can be statistics, and you go, well, thanks for that. Around 9 million people die every year of hunger and hunger-related diseases. This is more than AIDS and, and uh, malaria and tuberculosis combined. A child dies from hunger every 10 seconds. Last year, I did just a little exercise with the students at the uni, and we thought, how can we alleviate hunger immediately? And folk, if we took the increase in wealth of the... We didn't have to go, because it was a list of the top 100 wealthiest people. We only had to go to number 11 of the top wealthiest people in the world and how much they'd increased in wealth. If we took the top 11 people... Now, I'm not saying they need to give it all. I'm saying that we all participate in this. But we only had to go to the top 11 people who'd increased in wealth in 2021 and take that increase in wealth from one year to the other and the profit that they'd increased in and the wealth that they'd made and we would be able to feed everybody in the world immediately. Yet, we have these statistics. And you know what? It's okay, we're in Australia, it doesn't really you know, matter. That's dangerous to think like that. One in nine people go to bed hungry. of the world's population live in areas of food insecurity, and 9% in those areas of severe food insecurity. This year, there'll be 828 million hungry people in the world. Well, that's in the world. What about Australia? In our own country, nearly three million Australians live in poverty. One in six Australian adults didn't have enough to eat last year. And I don't know what you're thinking. You probably made up for them, Christophides. But folk, there's a danger in just kind of being, oh, that's another statistic. 
One in six Australian children are living in poverty. Have you seen that ad? Smith Family Foundation? Oh, that's just a little, you know, no. If it doesn't move us, there's something wrong. During the last year, 1.2 million children have gone hungry. And sole parent families and renters over 65 years are the hardest hit by poverty. And we ask the question, what's going on? What's going on? Well, friends, what do we do with all of this? Let me give you some points to consider. Some points to consider. If I read James 2, 18 and 19 correctly, then I pick up a couple of pointers here that James is saying, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith. That word show is a verb. Expose it. Show me evidence. And I suggest to you there's a difference between being convinced, because I can give you a a PowerPoint presentation to convince you, but that would not be enough. And I pray that the Holy Spirit not convinces us, but convicts us convicts us to to be able to be pushed out into action, to even do a small thing. A small thing. My beautiful mother says, every drop in the bucket helps. Every drop in the bucket helps. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will, by my works, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe. So point number one there, it's not enough to claim Jesus as Savior. We must allow him to be Lord as well. There's two different Greek words. They're Savior, Sotir, he's my Savior. I was outside the kingdom. He saved me. I'm now in the kingdom. I was ex-Christ. I'm now in Christ. But that's only the start. That's only the start. What we're talking about now is that we become, allow him to become Lord. Kyrios is the word there. Kyrios. Lord and master. That I'm his servant and he is my master. I belong to him. And I begin to ask what makes him happy because I belong to him. I begin to hear God's heartbeat, if you like. And God's heartbeat is not only for Lakeside and the people that come here during the week, and the basketballers, and all the different people that come through the doors. But it's for the nations of the world, because God wants to bless the nations of the world. Not enough to just have knowledge. You see, the demons have knowledge, James says, but they shudder. But it's more than that. Secondly, This emphasis on Christian faith that does not include faithfulness to Christ's call of walk in newness of life is a distortion of the gospel. We we, we hear each one to his own, you mind your own business, and slowly those who are affected don't have a voice. And if I look at the life of Jesus, he spoke out to those who could not speak for themselves themselves. 
on ethical issues, on telling the truth, on living moral lives, on, on shunning evil, on personal immorality and, and social justice, and feeding the hungry, and caring for the needs of the poor, and seeking the lost. We can easily become complacent because we live in such an awesome country. You know what? Mind your own business. Not only through the sins of commission that we do, but also the sins of omission. The things that we're supposed to do that we do not do. No one will be greeting my hand as they leave today. I know it. <laughs> but folk, we need to say what the Bible says and speak the truth, even if it's a small thing, to serve my neighbor in such a way that Christ is evident in my home and in my life. Thirdly, Faith that emphasizes ethics and good works as a means of salvation is a false faith. In other words, you know, we can't just speak about it. We've got to put it into practice. You know, we can't just claim things because then we're like this solid foundation, but there's no walls around it. That's not a house. That's a foundation. That needs to be right. It's helpful. His name is Jesus. But as we uh, build that house, that's really helpful as well. Fourthly, we need to allow our faith to be a reality in our community. A reality in our community. James chapter 5 verse 6 is such a beautiful passage, and I'll read it in the message first. For in Christ, neither our most conscious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior. Faith expressed in love. Faith expressed in love. King James Version says, For in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And then... If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it makes no difference whether you're circumcised or not. All that matters is your faith that makes you love others. In other words, uh, your faith in action. We can often wax eloquent about what we believe and what we don't believe. And we can actually push people aside. That article by Mama Hale about her life ends off by saying, against the disorder of the world that will return to some day, she teaches them a sense of order. Regular meals and bedtimes, a clean house and homes. Be honest, Mama Hale says. Be smart, she urges them as she puts another baby to sleep. One day, when you go to college and begins to, to speak beautiful words of encouragement to them. They don't always know, she says, what I'm saying, but they know I love them. They know I love them. She constantly says to them, you can make it. You can make it. You see, the reason for the filling is the overflow. The reason for the filling is the overflow. God blesses you. He blesses me. So we might overflow onto those we come into contact with. So the question I ask 
is what is your community? What is your community? Your work, your home, your family, your friends, what is your community? And wherever God has planted you, please bloom there. Please bloom there. Bloom so we can project the love of Christ to those we come into contact with. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord. Lord, as we think of your, 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 your love for us, Father, that sent Jesus to the cross, we see that love in action. Help us, Lord, to do the same. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.